0: What are we doing here? What is the purpose and meaning of our life? Where are we going in life? Our usual questions that we ask of ourselves at different parts, different stages, and different moments and circumstances of our life. So if we ask that of ourselves in our physical state of mind, what do we ask of our spiritual life? So what is the purpose of our spiritual life then? Where are we going? What are we doing? What is the purpose of even being a spiritual being? Why do I have to be a spiritual being? And what am I doing and where am I going in my spiritual life? Those are questions we ask of ourselves even spiritually then. So then where do we find the answers? What are we going to do and where is our destination? Because when we speak about journey, if we speak about going somewhere, We go from point A to point B. We begin somewhere and we end somewhere. So if our our physical destination is to death, then where's our spiritual destination going to be? We hear very clearly in our second reading from the letter of St. Paul to Timothy, our goal, our destination is holiness. Who is holy then? What is holiness begins the question for us to ask. How do we attain holiness if that is our destination? That is our goal and that's where we're meant to be and where we're supposed to go. We get it very clearly in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has destined us to share in that exchange. We hear in scripture, be holy as your Father is holy. So if we want to be holy, we then therefore must participate in the love and the exchange of the Trinity, the gift, the receiver, and the gift itself. We must live and dwell in that love, that holiness of the Trinity. So how does that look like when the rubber meets the road? How does that look like for our daily life? And what is our spiritual journey going to look like? I think we get a very clear picture today in our gospel reading. We hear firstly, Jesus call Peter, James, and John to join him on this journey. This journey leads them up the mountain. The mountain here plays a very crucial and key part because mountain in scripture is a place in which we come to experience and encounter the divine. So Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, up to encounter something. And we see, we hear today in our gospel reading, that Jesus reveals to them his divinity, his glory. And in that we hear Peter respond, Lord, can we set up three tents? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And that phrase that Peter gives us play a very crucial part in our understanding. And we'll get to that later at the end. And then finally, he descends from the mountain and instructs them not to reveal it to anyone until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So those three points become key pillars in our spiritual journey. Our first part, being called. Each and every one of us are called by virtue of our baptism to enter into that loving relationship with the Trinity, to live out that loving relationship every day and every moment of our life, and to follow him in this very radical and new way. But the challenge becomes, do we live that part of our call out? We're so okay with how we're living our life today We're so unsure of who we're really following at this point because we hear this call, we hear this tug within our hearts, but do we trust ourselves enough to follow him, to give up everything and take on that identity as a Christian? We're so comfortable with the way we live, we're so comfortable with where we're at in our life that we don't want to follow him. Because in following him, we know the radical change that has to occur in our life. We know the challenges that come about from being a disciple of God. And therefore, we're just okay with where we're at. We're okay with what we're doing. We're okay with how we're living. We look at ourselves and say, I'm not that bad of a person. I haven't killed anyone yet. I don't, I'm not that bad of a person. I haven't done X, Y, and Z things. So I'm okay. I don't have to live out this radical life. I don't have to do what Jesus is calling me because I'm still a good person. The next point of our spiritual journey is that experience and transformation. We come to experience the divine in so many different ways in our life. Through prayers, the answering of our prayers, the blessings each and every one of us has received throughout our lives are our moments in which we come to experience the divine. Because those miracles, those changes in our lives are God's way of manifesting his love to each and every one of us in a very particular way. It's not for God to demonstrate how powerful he is or how on call we can get him to change our lives. But instead, it's for us to see, to recognize, and experience God's love in a more holistic and different way. But the challenge becomes, what do we do with that experience? We're so afraid of that divine experience because we we don't know how to answer that. We don't know what to do with that experience. Because if we talk about that divine experience to other people in the world... You know, it used to be they think you're crazy. But now they're more eager to just throw you in the loony bin because you're speaking of a divine encounter and a divine experience. But we even deny sometimes the blessings and seeing and recognizing how God has worked in our lives, how he has transformed us. And we keep it to ourselves because we're so afraid and we just want to stay there and remain there. This is where Peter tells Jesus, let me set up three tents for you, for Moses, for you, for Elijah. Because this divine experience is so transformative that I want it every day, but I know I can't. Because when I come down the mountain, the life that I'm about to speak about, the experience I'm about to have from that ascent to the divine won't be the same. The other challenge that comes out from that is the fact that once we have experienced the divine, once we've had that miraculous change in our life, once we've had that transformation, we look so hard for those blessings every day and every moment and every second of our life. When it doesn't appear, when it doesn't happen within our lives, we begin to doubt God. We begin to fear if God really truly exists. Because if he did, why am I not having these divine experiences every day and every moment of my life? Then finally, coming down from the mountain, we hear Jesus call and push us into action. It's not just to, hey, you've had this great experience up on the mountain, cool, keep it to yourself. But wait till the Son of Man has risen from the dead so that you can proclaim, to teach, to share it, and put it into action. So our life in holiness is calling each and every one of us to put our faith into action, to live out our gifts that we've been given, and using that to the benefit of the church, using that and becoming the instrument of God's grace, of God's work in this world. But the challenge becomes we're so afraid of letting the Holy Spirit work within our lives to become the instrument of the Holy Spirit that we just doubt, we put the Holy Spirit out of our lives. Sometimes we just don't even want to do God's will because we're just so afraid. We make up all these excuses. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not a great evangelist. I'm not a great teacher. I'm not X, Y, and Z things, and therefore I shouldn't do any of that. Yesterday I got a beautiful opportunity to spend time with our catechumens and our elect in RCIA who are going to join us in full communion this Easter. And what was interesting was there was an older elderly couple that was making, they were cooking homemade pasta, pasta from scratch, or sorry, not pasta, spaghetti and meatballs from scratch. They were an elderly couple and they didn't have to do it, but they were cooking for about about 200 people. But what I found was that day, the experience of the divine, the experience of the transfiguration Because in them, I found the transformation that occurred in them and them sharing and living that out and putting it into action and sharing that with the catechumens and the elect. And in that, they didn't say anything. They didn't talk about or preach anything to anyone. But instead, by their words, by their gestures, their actions demonstrated for the elect and the catechumens the power of God's love, the love that they share between husband and wife, but most importantly the impact they have received from God and now they want to share that impact with others. But I can begin to see the change and how the catechumens and the elect were touched by that situation, by that moment. And that moment has changed them and is going to change them forever. So what are we supposed to do my dear brothers and sisters? Our purpose our mission is to be holy, to follow and participate in the life of the Holy Spirit, to be part of the Trinity in in their love. But in doing so, we here we become God's fellow co-workers in his mission. And I think we get this beautiful experience and powerful experience today, as in our midst we have a first class relic of Blessed Father Michael McGivney. In so we begin, if we look at his life I can begin to see that spiritual journey at work in his life. At the age of 13, he was sent off and wanted to become a priest, was sent off to seminary in Quebec, Canada. But what happened was his father died, and so he came home, and came home to take care of his family, losing a father figure, losing the provider for his family but he was still fervent in his vocation, fervent in his love for God. And so the Bishop at that time of Baltimore, Maryland gave him the opportunity to study at home to finish his studies. But what was interesting and powerful I found in Father McGivney's life is his first parish was at St. Mary's Church in New Haven, Connecticut. The church was in debt and they recently built that church And when he came there and was assigned there, it was going to be seen as a very difficult and challenging task for him. But what he did was he wanted to make the parish life the center of everything. Everything revolved around the parish. So he put together men's baseball groups, youth outings, and allowed opportunities for the community and the family to gather together at the church. But what was interesting was his reason behind that was his focus on the centrality of faith and living out the two greatest commandments to love god and to love neighbor he wanted people to put into practice their faith and that faith has to begin to change people's lives so where did he get that lesson from where did he learn those things from it began from his spiritual journey with god But secondly, he learned those things through his family. He heard the call from the family. He heard the call from the Lord to come follow him. He had a divine experience and was sent off to seminary. But in that divine experience, when he lost his father, he was transformed and changed forever because he knew the significance of family. He knew the significance and the call that God has given within his heart. So in his mission in the Knights of Columbus, he created a fraternal order for men to be formed in the Catholic faith, to care for widows and orphans, but also provided insurance to make sure that once someone has laid down their life or has died, there is coverage for the family. That message doesn't come from anywhere except the spiritual journey, especially in the participation of the love of the Trinity. So my dear brothers and sisters, what are we going to do? What are you and I going to do? We know our spiritual journey has those three components. Where are we stuck in it? What is stopping us from truly living out that spiritual journey? Because that spiritual journey is not one and done, but it occurs and is cyclical in every moment and every aspect of our life. We're gonna live that over and over and over. So, where are we in our spiritual journey? What is stopping us from fully living out the gifts that we've been given? How do we put our faith into action? And where are we called, each individually by name, to put that into action in our own specific way? That's our call for today, my dear brothers and sisters. So, let us take this time of Lent in prayer in fasting, in almsgiving, to figure that out for ourselves so that we can continue through prayer to live out that mission, through almsgiving to see it and put it into action, and fasting to live out the Trinitarian love that we're meant to participate in every day and every moment of our life. Amen.